Hey guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And welcome back to this week's No Limits, the Thriller Podcast. How you doing this week, Mike? Chris, I don't know why, but hearing you say those opening lines right there just put a big smile on my face. I just needed this right now. Some time with you and Don Bentley. <laughs> Dude, I've told you this time and time again that like, you know, no matter how much I'm like, oh, I got a podcast. You know, it's like not not that I don't want to do it. But like, you know, I'm just tired end of the day. Like oftentimes you there's been many a time where I've fallen asleep putting the kids to bed. But every time once I get here, I'm physically here, I'm present with you, it just it lights up my week. It's a, it's amazing. It's a blessing. So it really is. And this week has been on fire with our patron group chat. Dude, We're dude having... the group chat is picking up. I love it. I it needs to keep coming, man. And congrats to you. Your book was selected for the first patron Ooh, baby. book club. Book of the month coming. We said what November? We're gonna read the spy who came in from the cold. That was a great choice. Yeah. No, I well, I can't take credit for it. I think someone else had mentioned it um, before that they wanted to read it. And so when you brought up this this poll, I was like, oh, I've always wanted to read that too. I, I love. I gotta give a shout out to my fellow completists of uh, Sherry and Mark, who the, apparently I didn't know this, but the spy that came in, in from the cold is book three in the Lake Race series. So. Sherry has three books to read before our uh, December chat. Uh, so, yeah, I've read two George Smiley and it's just uh, he's an awesome character. So yeah. I, I might I might join them in trying to catch up on whatever the first two were as well. Apparently, the first two books are very short and then the audiobook for this bio came in for the cold is only seven hours. Yeah, it. I remember that one being a much crisper read. I actually read it for the first time recently. It was well, 2020, somewhat recently. I remember I had COVID and that was the first book I read when I was just zonked and couldn't really go do anything. And I got through it even in those conditions pretty quickly. So yeah, I loved it. And then I also read Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which I feel like is a bit of a heavier lift. Mm. It just has more weight to it. But yeah, I'm excited for that. Yeah. So that's our patron only book club. We got to come up with a great name for that group. But you too can join the group chat and the Patreon book club discussions for less than the price of a novel a month. You can help support the podcast, be the reason we can continue to make more podcasts and read all these books. So just head to thrillerpod.com, click on the Patreon tab to learn more, and we'd love to have you join up. But Chris, why don't you tell the people what book we are covering here today? This was your suggestion to jump into this one. Yeah, so, you know. We coming off of Kyle's last book, we wanted to dive in. We can't wait. You know, we're, we're, we're too impatient. You know, we know we're getting this change over to Don Bentley. So we had already done one book from him. And, you know, so the past two books we've done on this thread, the last book we did on this thread was his, one of his Jack Ryan Jr. series, or his first soiree into that. And I was like, you know what? I want to, I'm digging this. I want to, I want to have a little bit more of Don Bentley in my life. Let's go back to the Mac Drake series and let's read Outside Man, book number two. Let's see how he does with, and I, I, I'm going to come in a little bit hot here and it's, it's, I'm going to rehash a take. I'm going to take closet, you know, I'm, I'm going to take my takes out of the closet and I'm going to just say that second books are very hard. Yes. Yes. And, you know, I think it's, 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 one of the biggest challenges, especially when you have a second book of of a series that you know you're starting like fresh. You know, it's different like when you have a second book of like the Jack. I'm sure like the second Jack, his second Jack Ryan Jr.'s book is like, you know, whatever because that's a like a extended universe type series. Here, he's starting to build this character a little bit more. Let's take it to the next step, and I. I think this novel, like, I enjoyed parts of it, but I, I think we're going to get into why, like, I think sometimes it fell a little bit flat to me is because I didn't love the continuation story from book one. Like, I, really? I felt that this would have been better served to, like, dive back into this in a couple novels, you know, like bring this Mr. Suave, you know, the devil, what he becomes as the villain, make him like a three book three, four book villain where like, maybe he's not the main villain, but he's like there. Like the devil had so much potential to me. Yes. Yeah. And then for the, just how he went down, like I was just, I was 
really disappointed with that. And so I think that that's where I'm like coming from, like just finishing this book today and on my ride home. And like, you know, at first I thought he was just killing in the helicopter. Like, right. Right. And then, you know, I was like, well, that was cheap. Okay. So you built up this giant villain and then, all right. He, he loves his one eighties. There's been, there was a couple in this book that there was a couple that I enjoyed in this book too, with the, you know, surprises, but yeah, for him to like go out that way in the end, I don't know. That's where I'm coming in from the top. And that's why I would like to like second books are very hard to do. And, you know, some, not everyone can crush a second book. It's hard. Yeah. I'm going to agree with you on a few things, but maybe over the overarching point you made, I might want to take a little bit of issue with here. I actually think one of the better moves here was to build this continuation. And one that was reintroducing Mr. Suave. I thought getting more info on the devil and actually seeing the devil and what he's doing, I I thought might have been one of the more interesting parts of this book. And as a villain, the potential was absolutely there. And hence, I was glad he came back. Like he he was almost dangled in book one. and We had no idea, no idea who this guy was. And now we get this description all the terrible things he's doing, right, leading up to the auction, but even just more physical descriptions of who and what he is. He's like the Arab version or it was like a darker European. I think we thought he was Belgian at one point, but he was like a darker Middle Eastern looking version of the Dosecki's most interesting man in the world. Right. Like, that's what he says, right? <laughs> once we got that, I was like, oh, that's fantastic. So I, I think bringing him in was great as a continuation of some loose threads in the first book. And then on top of that, I wanted to, in the first book, see more about Layla and his wife. I felt like it was just push her out, mention her. He's having these psychological issues. But we didn't go as deep as we could into that because the book had to move to Syria. And and book one was just incredible once you landed in Syria. So there was really no opportunity to bring in the family. I was glad here we didn't just kind of drop all Drake's baggage. Instead... We are right from the get-go. We have the radiology reports, right? And that car crash in Austin. We get a hint of that. So it's kind of building to I want to know more. And then the amazing date scene (laughs) with that waitress or the the maitre d' who has to go get the flowers and he looks like shit and she looks amazing. I thought that was a really fun scene and a way to bring Layla back into the fold. Because in book one, I was like, why can't he see her face? He has all these demons he's battling yeah it was a little confusing yeah. he's following her in the airport why is he following her in the airport but can't approach her it's his wife and i thought a lot of that got fleshed out here so i was happy with those overarching moves i think you're right some parts of how those storylines progressed and ultimately with mr suave ended may be a little disappointing and and i would say frankly confusing at some points we're going in a lot of different directions uh, particularly in the middle chunk of this book, I think it had a great opening and a pretty solid race to the finish, which I want to talk about in a minute. But while we're on Mr. Suave, I thought he had the potential to be such a good villain. I have a whole limerick dedicated. All right, let's hear it. To the devil. So there once was a villain named Suave. Around him, darkness revolves. It's now up to Drake, who can't make a mistake. A plot to save Layla, he must solve. Mm, I like that. Suave, resolve, solve. That's good. So what did you think about Layla being brought in and ultimately on a collision course? It's it's Mr. Suave or Drake and caught in the middle of that is Layla as, as the bait. Yeah, I thought, like, let, let me tell you what I liked about this novel. I thought the bones of the story and the action set pieces, amazing. Yes. You know, kicking us off with like putting us like in media res with this, this car chase fight, like where he's looking behind him. He knows someone chasing him and then boom, we're smacked up. I love that character of like that, the mom who he like tries to save where like the little lemon shit, like he, and then she's like, get off. You know, like that, yeah. that was just funny. Like I, I, and I, you know, one of the reasons why we wanted to read this book and learn more about Don Bentley, his writing style is to maybe draw some, comparisons some parallels we might hope to see his potential in what he can write with a mid novel so one right off the bat i think 
he's going to nail the action. And I think we've seen that from his other two novels we've read too. Two, I think he's probably going to keep up the humor because like Matt Drake is pretty funny. Like uh, <laughs> he, he has his, he has, his, he reminds me of like Scott Harvath in that sense, you know, like not afraid to mix in a little bit of humor while also having this, this gravity, this gravitas. But yeah, like the, the, this idea of, you know, he has to, you know, a man on a mission. Like I love the whole idea of like, I want my husband back. Like, because you're not my husband yeah. because you're only you're only you when you're you know he what since he quit quote unquote quit he's been moping around yep he's a fighter he's he's an operator he's supposed to be in the action um he has unfinished business you know this yes. mr suave um you know the person who killed his asset right and charles and, and as well as with charles which we got to talk about the ending with charles too uh so the overarching story i thought it was great i was just I just thought that the there was some we were, we were, a lot of hopping around was confusing, and this he built an ultimate villain in Mister Suave. Yeah, and I just thought he was wasted. I just thought he was super wasted. You yeah. know, like this could have been a guy that could have got away every single novel. Like mm-hmm. you, you, eventually, like he's gonna have to die, but like you could have had him be, you know, like a, a five book novel. Like you could, you know. You really could, yeah. So, he, okay, so that's going to touch on something which we absolutely have to bring up, and it's kind of pulling these threads together. Which is, while I love the first person writing in this series, and I think it's a really cool, unique, bold addition to this line of thrillers, and it works for Matt Drake's story. It's you know. Don's trying something new, starting a new series. Yeah. It's going to be the thing that defines the series. However, I think in this book, more than the first one, we're seeing the limitations of that or the drawbacks from that choice. And the main one is we don't really spend time with Suave. He's mm. such a good character, yet we never once get to really see him in his lair, you know, with his henchmen. Right planning because we're only we're always with Matt Drake we're always with Drake and so this also affects the buy-in in in that it hurts the villain because he could have been so much more and affects the buy-in because if we do want to bring him in we have to have these happenstance Drake gets captured what three times in this book and escapes from from Suave and so we have to kind of jerry-rig this idea of Mr. Suave's gonna let him go because he's got a plan for him and he doesn't know what the plan is, so I'm going to track him and then tell him his mission later on. Just tell him yeah, I want was... you have to go kill Glass. Like that's your mission. Bye. Instead, we have to do this whole. I'm going to give you a phone. We're going to track you. I wasn't buying any of it. It was like the no. weakest excuse. I'm going to send you with one driver in a car that you're driving, and you have the phone. And if this phone leaves you, I'll kill your wife. Don't send him on all these little wild goose chases just because the story would end too quickly. I was super confused about like all of a sudden they ran into this ambush. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know. Were was am I wrong in being confused? Like, no, 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 what, no, no. The, what was going on with that? There was it was so cool. Many... The action was freaking awesome. Like, really freaking cool. So that's what saved it. Yeah. If the action wasn't good, then I would be. I would just. I might have not even finished this novel. And I gotta be honest, scenes like that were really cool. And then it turned. Is that the one that turned into the demolition derby? In the yeah. streets of Iraq. Yeah. Yeah. So he does the bare minimum to explain these away. And so later on, he's like, oh, they captured Benny, a Mossad agent. They also wanted to capture an American general. And so that hit was orchestrated on the streets to get an American general. And he just happened to be in the wrong place at the right it time. It happened to be that that Drake was driving by when the IED went off and this this attack happened trying to take the general. And then it just so happens he gets captured with the Mossad guy who, you know, lets him put all this together. So the coincidences are rolling. The buy-in score for me is dropping. Yet in the moment, I'm still enjoying the scene. Like, I agree with you. It, It doesn't really work sequentially as the plotting and things get lost. But I really like the individual scene. So... I, I to me that's a drawback of this first person. I think we could have really painted a better picture of what's going on if we weren't in this RPG video game. Like we have to be in Drake's shoes. Ergo, we lose 
that omniscient knowledge of what the other actors are doing and planning and what's going on in the wider context of the story. And without that, things either seem super convenient when they happen and confusing when they happen because we don't know what actors are playing what role in getting Drake to that point. It it reminds me of like playing a video game. Mm-hmm. You know how like you're you go from mission game. mission to mission. When you said RPG, that was like that's spot on. It's you you're you're playing as the first person shooter and you're always the same character, but you're going like you reach a mission and then like conveniently like you then once you get to that mission, they then tell you what you know, like it just doesn't feel lived in and real realistic enough, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I, I've just I've never felt that way while reading a, a mid draft novel. Um, no. and maybe a few times. Like some, there's always coincidences in these stories. I mean, it's it's just like how it's going to have to be. But it's it's how the author, what the author does with those coincidences, and how they concoct them. You know, like that really sells it, really builds up that buy in score to make it not to be able to make you suspend your disbelief a little bit easier than sometimes here. But that, again, to me, all ties back to the choice to go first person because you could see what Hank Clark is plotting and planning. You could see how he's manipulating Albert Rudin to get him to do his dirty work, which then puts Mitch and Irene in a weird situation. So like when it happens, you know that it's been orchestrated. Here, when it happens, okay, we're randomly in a strip club and we take this Yazidi girl and we find her and then we're going to go save her sister who's in this prostitution ring, which is going to an auction that happens to be owned by Mr. Suave. These things just have to conveniently fall into place because we're getting no other information from any other sources. Right, right. So I think that really, really hampers it. But to put the positive spin on this, let's say – you didn't do that. You didn't have that constraint. Ergo, you're writing a Mitch Rapp novel, and it is very much about jumping around. I would love to see what Don can do with some of these characters because we see it with Glass, Frodo, and Drake and their conversations. Yeah. I love that. I love Drake's conversations with Zane. I love – it has to be Drake's conversation with somebody but imagine if you had the freedom to put these characters together in a dialogue or a, or a scene without him. You know, like you got to see the call where Zane calls the devil and says he's turning in a high value asset, uh, you know, or he he's telling the devil, I'm turning Drake over to you. And Zane's trying to work into the good graces of the devil who, while really just trying to infiltrate him. You know, if we saw some of these conversations being had, I'd be more likely to buy into it. And in a Mitrap novel, you can spend all the time you want on those conversations. Look right. at Code Red. Damien Losa calling Claudia. You didn't need Mitch right. Rapp there. Irene and talking Kennedy. to his assistant. Yeah, right. Irene Kennedy directing things out of Langley. You don't always need Mitch Rapp in the room. Her making a phone call to somebody on Capitol Hill or someone in whatever, the NSA. I think when Don can write those stories without the, own, the constraints he put on himself – a book like this would have just been tenfold better. And that's what he's going to have the opportunity to do in a Mitch Rapp novel. Yeah, no, don't get me wrong. Like any of my negative criticism is not any sort of, like I'm not worried at all. I think if anything, after reading these first three novels, I'm like more reassured that I, I think that he's going to write a really good Mitch Rapp novel. Yep. It's just this series, if anything, you know, look more towards how he wrote the Jack Ryan Jr. series as a reflection of how he can then write the Mitch Rapp because that is not first person. Um, Although we didn't spend much time outside of Jack Ryan in that one. It's like, it's not first. It's like what you're a teacher. What what is like the omni omnipotent narrator or um, omnipresent, omnipresent, you know, like, you know, like where you don't necessarily have to be first person, but you don't, necessarily go anywhere that's not with your with your character you know you don't know any more than the actual as the reader you don't know more than what is told to you it also doesn't have to be as linear because when you're with the one character like that role-playing game 
the, the timeline has to match. It has to be this person's timeline in their experience with who they're seeing in what sequences they're seeing it. You could take a Kyle Mills novel, and I really feel you could shuffle some of the chapter order and still get away with it. You know, some of those cutscenes, even a Jack Carr, I think he paces them so well, yet we do have those scenes of the villain doing whatever the villain's doing. And I, I think you can kind of have a little more flexibility to move them. However, I'll say one real positive of the first person is, well, first off, we get to know Drake really, really well in just two books. Yeah, we do. We I feel know like it. I know him more than yeah. a lot of characters. We can almost think like he can think because he's, he's narrating for us. Mm-hmm. And put that into an action scene. We love when Mitch Rapp does that. We can actually see his tactical genius in the moment. You know, the battlefield slows down and he can read it. I feel like we're seeing Matt Drake read the battlefield every moment. And it's really cool that he could take us through that. So that's one pro that kind of I think could really be cool with Mitch Rapp. Reading the battlefield in the moment, we think like he thinks because we've been with that character for so long. Don's done that to us in just two quick books with Drake. The other thing is the cliffhangers. You mm. can almost put a lot of the buy-in issues aside because chapter to chapter, this first-person narration allows you really edge-of-your-seat cliffhangers. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Things like Brad Thor can do, but then when that cliffhanger hits, you jump to a totally different storyline and sometimes come back to it and forget about it. Here, that cliffhanger hits. You turn the page. You're seeing the You're right back in it. You're right back in the action, and that's a lot of fun in these books. The third thing that I um, just sort of piggyback on you is I'm excited to see more technical prowess. Yes. You know, because like that – you know, even though I'm not saying that Kyle didn't do a good job, he but it just wasn't his area of expertise. You know, that's why he had consultants and stuff like that. But like, we know that Don has lived it, and you can definitely tell by the way he describes some of these things. You know, we mentioned it in the Jack Ryan Jr. series, but I think it's even more prevalent here, yeah. where you know he's talking about these different ordinances and the different helicopters, and you know, some of like the especially that that scene with the IED explosion in this, you know, crazy demolition derby you were describing with this. um, What was that gun that he had to shoot? It's like a, what was it called? Recoilless gun. Like the way he was describing, like how he had to do this and how like it bucked him back. Like that was pretty cool to me. Or even the gloves. We got right. a whole oh, description of gloves uh, going down for a rope. Speed the, for speed and roping. It was, and I was loving it. It's like the skydive, right? And without sanction. Right. We're loving the tech specs and the minutia of these things. And I think you're right in saying that wasn't Kyle's jam. Yeah. And like, even like, or how, how do I want to take down this uh, helicopter without, you know, destroying it? And then, cause the pilot like knows exactly just getting those little bit of details. It gives me hope that we're going to see some of that, that I think, and I get, again, that wasn't like Vince's thing, but I don't know, maybe Vince just did a little bit more because of Vince's influences and, and stuff like why he wanted to put it into his novels. So, yeah, I, I think it will bring a little balance to the series. Having Don right include some of that stuff in a Mitch Rapp, uh novel. I think that'll really balance out. I think what we've maybe been lacking. Yeah. What other scenes come to mind? Because like, like you talked about, we, we just got, let me just quickly recap some of the things that happen. This book is jam-packed, and I feel like you could get lost if you're not giving it a proper amount of attention because you can. we've got the Austin shootout, which leads to this Rawlings guy being the investigator trying to find out what happened. We have a conversation with Matt, Frodo, and James, so we really have to talk about how Frodo and James Glass are brought into this, but they quickly then, he has Rawlings track the phone, send him to a strip club, which is supposed to be where Charles is, but instead he runs into some Middle Easterners beating the Yazidi girl, which then leads him, and, and to me this is one of, one of the hardest things to digest about this book, he calls up a chemist from GW University, a professor, Virginia, who I, I love her as a character. I can't say I love how and why she even has a role in this story. I like what she does. I just don't know if I'm bought into why she's there doing it. But she hears from the Yazidi girl that there's an auction and these sex traffickers and it's her sister. Through Facebook, they find out that's going on in Iraq. 
So then Drake links up with Zane. And when he's with Zane, he gets turned into Mr. Suave. And then for Mr. Suave, he has to escape because of this IED explosion. And then he's on a helicopter with American soldiers for God knows why, how that oh, happens. That, and then that the helicopters crash. So why did the Americans come into this if we're just going to crash them all of a sudden? Oh, wait, convenient plot because we had to separate Drake from the phone and give a good reason for Suave not to kill Layla now that the phone is separated from him. Oh, there was a helicopter crash and a demolition derby in the middle of the streets. But then he's taken to an Iranian base. So the Iranians have a base in Iraq or very close to the border where they're holding Benny, who is a Mossad guy, who then he escapes because Zane and Virginia come back and save him. Then they find out from I don't even remember how that there's an auction for the girl and he's going to infiltrate this auction and save the girl. But Virginia has to give herself up, pretend to be one of the sex trafficked girls in order for them to get inside and know that Suave is going to want her. But Suave already has Layla and he knows that he's going to be there and he reveals Layla up on the stage in front of the auction. And then a helicopter and an Osprey go at it in the sky and Pom Pom is this really cool pilot, great character who was only there for like five minutes. And then this. After you think it's all resolved and he saves Layla, he brings down the chopper. He kills Mr. Suave, who we thought was dead earlier. He actually doesn't recognize the sniper and the sniper shoots Layla and we think she's dead. She's not. And then he lights the cigar, which was from Zane, which was in his rig. Lighting the cigars is not enough to trigger the infrared uh, signal so that the QRF team inbound can spot him. And therefore, they can lay ground fire. So he has to burn his T-shirt using the med pack. And then we go to the epilogue, which sucked. Oh my god! <laughs> you know, I listen. Oh my god, I'm just sitting here cracking up while you're doing that. I listen to this pod. It's called the Ringerverse, and it goes into all things like fandom. And every episode, when they do like an instant reaction or a podcast, they uh, they call it the Midnight Minute. And like one of the people has to literally sum up, like whether it's a movie, a novel a comic book a tv episode they have they they only have a minute and so like you would have failed because you went over a minute <laughs> that was my midnight four minutes but just come on well as cool as some of those individual pieces are didn't you lose track like two-thirds or even earlier of the way through what i went through where you're just like at this point where you hit what the hell is going on and why is it happening yeah, and I think this is a case where too much is is not a good thing you know like yeah. a little bit of tightness you know, I think like you could have got to different places by removing certain things. Like honestly, that whole I while the IED scene, where a- after he's gotten the cell phone and has been tasked, like he doesn't know what he's going to have to do in America. Which we could kind of guess that he wants him to kill Charles. Oh, well, actually, I thought he wanted him to kill Glass, but ultimately he wants him to kill Charles. That might have been a better plot. That might have been a better, like, what the hell is he going to do to get out of this one? And then and then that's when, after he gets out of that fight, the Americans who are there think that he, even though he was helping the Americans, because he was shooting from an enemy ship, they think that he was a bad guy. And so, like, that whole sequence, you could literally get rid of it. And, like, yeah, you mentioned that it just it has to remove him from the cell phone, but you could have had something else out, like, something quicker like that didn't take up, you know, five chapters. And I don't know. I'll agree with you. The Virginia character, I the shell like of her. It, it, really good. I like this Tennessee girl, but why is she? I mean, I, I guess the link, the reason he knows her is because she's a chemist and he brought her on with the whole chemical weapons thing. Exactly. When okay. they worked in Syria together. Sure. But he is a CIA, he is a DIA case officer. He could have met her anywhere. You could have had her be, I would have more bought into her if she is a foreign relations, you know, like a, a Islamic studies expert, you know, yes. at GW. Like, or psychology to, or something because he yeah. wants her to interview the girl. She doesn't have to be a chemist. Like, I, I guess he's seen her, you know, like the, like the only thing I'm trying to retcon or headcan in my mind is like he saw how good she was both on the ground and as a people person she's down to earth but i i don't i didn't buy this whole like i know exactly who i have to get to talk to this girl we just saved from the strip club and then we're in the halls of gw 
and she pretends to be married to him at one point just to throw off this other jealous guy who yeah that was a professor weird. or grad student or something i just didn't need it and i, I really want to like her as a character were you and upset when she died not really yeah exactly and i should have been for a character that was built up like that yet like the ied explosion plot it, it again didn't need to be there how did you feel about the like you said these cliffhangers so we have the first one is with zane turning on him shooting him yeah well how'd you feel about that the second one is with his wife appearing uh, and then the, the oh no i guess before that we find out that the guy that zane we think that zane again flipped again because zane put this irish northern irish bodyguard with him and he's a mercenary and he turned yeah and then we get his wife and then we get like the whole double fake with the devil which we kind of already talked about how i i didn't didn't quite buy that or didn't you know well i thought it was cooler than the fact i liked it more that he wasn't in the helicopter that went down i would have been even more pissed yeah if he actually did die in that like one helicopter so here's what I'll say about all the all those cliffhangers. Maybe one too many. I think a, a couple of those, two of those maximum would have been you know, really, really compelling. Again, if we had more context built up around them when they were happening, I would have bought in more to them. And frankly, they were a little too easy to read. Mm, yeah. I'll, st I'll start with the last one. With him being blown up in the helicopter, there were a very clear few lines of like, well, I think I'm right that he was in that helicopter. If he was go in the helicopter going west, and he, I think he was, we would have killed him. There were just one too many of these hesitations of like, I'm not going that hard into this because it would be unbuyable. So I'm going to kind of hedge my bets and put this line of like, we shot down the helicopter. Mr. Suave is dead. Or at least he should be if I was right about my calculations. All that just made it a little too easy to wiggle out of. Zane tranquilizing him. One, I was at first just pissed. I'm like, I was pissed because I really, I really like Zane. I really liked him. Like, we can't just make him bad out of the blue. What are we? What are we going to have him sell out to the highest bidder? Oh, he's afraid of the devil, so he's just going to work for the devil, take his money to hide, you know, save his own skin. I thought that well, would we, be cheap. Zane was in the first novel, right? I think Zane. So I, I wanted to ask you that: Were Zane and Benny in the first one? I know Charles no. was. I know Benny Glass was. was. I know Layla was. No Benny, though, right? No. Okay, I, so I, I'm pretty sure Zane was because he's like this truck driver, you yes. know, like turned now, like yeah. criminal mastermind. Like, yeah. I think I remember that. He was more, way more fleshed out in this. Yeah. But that's why when he does this, I didn't really buy into it. And the whole time I am thinking, is this some sort of ruse? I was like, I don't know if I'm going to buy it, but is Zane turning him in? turning him in to get on the inside which which essentially it was in the end but it just yeah, again Zane. didn't really grab me i like i expected it i would say almost you know those points in a book and chris howdy can do it to you where it's just blown your socks off and then here's here's the kicker you can write a killer cliffhanger you can make the reader just their jaw drop but you know it's done well when you go back and you look at the breadcrumbs and you're like, shit, I didn't see it all along, but right. it makes sense. I right. feel like some of these, not to call them cheap, but some of these are like, I didn't see that coming. And it doesn't really make sense. And there's probably going to be something to explain it just to give us exposition to explain it. As opposed to a howdy twist, which is, oh my God, you just did that. And now that I think back to all these things. I could put the pieces together myself. We can't put the pieces together ourselves here. It has to be explained to us. It's like, uh, you know, the ending of Sixth Sense. Like, you know, that's like one of the most perfect cliffhangers ever. Exactly. exactly. And, and that's hard to do in a novel. So I'm not saying in, in book two of your first series, you should be nailing that all the time. But if you are going to go for that, don't do a bunch of little cheap ones along the way. That kind of underwrite some of the big ones that you want to lead up to. You know, I, I almost would have liked it if instead of Zane, you could have still had Zane flip, 
with Zane flipped on Matt's orders. You know, like we right. we've seen that before with either Scott or with Mitch, where they essentially turn themselves over using their friend, but their their friends like they're in on it. You know, it's like I buy that way more than I buy this. I agree. His longtime asset turns him in, only then to come back and rescue him. Why wouldn't he just tell him? Yeah, a hundred percent. I agree. Why would he just tell him? He, he calls him family at the end. Like, yeah. Agreed, dude. That's perfect. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's totally a Mitch move, right there. No, it's it's just like these little things. Like, I, like I said, I think the pieces are there. Yeah, it's just like a little tightness here, a little more, little cut here, change this a little bit, and then you got to bang a novel. You really do. You really do. Now, since we brought up Mitch Rap again, one other thing that with a little tightness could be absolutely perfect. This is a Mitch Rap style race to the finish line. This oh, is yes. this is almost a Vince Flynn ending to a book if it just ended with him taking out Suave in the desert and saving Layla. We then had to have this little extra theatrics of the sniper and the med kid and then the QRF team. That, oh, just like adding in like the other an- another head turn where she gets shot, like a yeah. cliffhanger, like yeah. No, you you had you had a great climax. You had a great one, like like a, like you know a Osprey versus helicopter in like in the in the desert at that plant, you know, and, and in in that case he gets away. But like you know, you meet up with your villain, you kill him, you have you have a, a great end end scene. You save the girl. Yep. Like then then you go to the epilogue where you have to tie up you know the other glass rollings. Yeah. The glass, the uh, not the glass, the the Charles. He just wanted to have one more Apache helicopter come in, you know, describe. I thought it was crazy that Apache shoot like a five inch bullet. I was thinking that have like these shaped charges on the end. Like I was thinking about that when I was, I was like, holy shit. I don't never want to come across a fucking Apache. That's going to tear some shit up. And it did. It really did. And, and like, it's so cool. Like, I don't want to sacrifice. It's him cool. Having- that, that's what saves it is the fact that it's cool. Like, right. it, 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 any other person throws that other stuff in there and doesn't have that technical like you know christmas that that comes along with that and you know it's just it's just i don't know I just you don't end like with it. the osprey sequence taking down the helicopter the fast rope pom-pom with the rotor wash right like how was he gonna get the shot on mr suave and then pom-pom comes in with the rotor wash to throw them off balance and suave exposes himself take the shot and the book and maybe it's an experience thing because think of what Brad Thor eventually does with Tracy where the sniper shot takes her out at the end, cut hard end to the book. I don't even think there was an epilogue after that. No, there wasn't. That was it. Like that was just straight hard cut. Now, would that have been one too many in the context of all the other stuff that just occurred? I think so. But it was a play that then allowed you to open the next book with that desert scene and create that continuation. You know, does she survive? Does the Apache come in? What about these incoming gunmen? And and then the med kit thing with burning, it was really, really cool. The cigars, when he started puffing on those three cigars as Layla's losing consciousness, I was like, yo, if this works, that's bananas. And it didn't. So he, he has to, to light get, himself on fire. Yeah, Zane's med kit burn his t-shirt. Like that stuff was so cool. At this stage of the book, though, I I, I could have done without it at, at that time. And then you open a book with that. That would have been just nasty. And you follow yeah. up with the sniper shot. Yeah. So tell me why you didn't like the epilogue, though. We, like, that's the last thing we haven't really talked about. After all that, right? After I really, really like this race to the finish line scene. I just. I didn't need much more. So that was the first part of it. I was coming in not really caring for more. I wanted to see Charles and and uh, and Drake have the conversation, right? I wanted to see Drake tie up loose ends. But he just like hides in the woods, pops out, and goes, give me your money. Like, give me the money back that you basically stole from selling selling your own guys out and getting all these people killed, including Drake's asset. So I liked the callback to the first book, but it wasn't that satisfying. 
here, let me wave a gun in your face, transfer you money, you transfer me money, and then I peace out. It was it, like, I don't know. I want something like a Mitch Rapp play when he corners Barbara Lonsdale. Dude, or even better, separation of power or executive power, whichever one it is, when he goes into the Cosmos Club and he and Donatella spike oh, Hank yeah. Clark and he just sits him in a chair, says, look in my face as he poisons him and he dies out. Yeah, or when Kennedy puts the puts the medication. Yes, the D in that's in the D, the DNI's uh, stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's just so. Or was that the vice? She killed the vice president. No, he was the. He was going to be the vice president. He was right? the candidate, right? Yeah. Right. He was getting tapped as vice president. I I don't know. I just felt. I and maybe we shouldn't be comparing it to that, but why not? You know, like let's aim or transfer power. Right when we ha- we know we have to go after. Um, Aziz, Aziz, Rafiq Aziz, right? We have to go after Rafiq Aziz, and you hit uh, you hit this house, and it's this whole thing. It's like it's like a wham bam, thank you, ma'am. I just didn't have that here. Just sneaking up on a guy, and and asking him for Bitcoin essentially or whatever, you know, transfer me money. I don't know. I just I felt like Mitch would have killed the dude, or figured out a way to, or had a better play. Yeah, like. Wiretapping himself, he he kind of and like the, the FBI agent even says like none of this is really usable in court anyways. So like yeah, like where are we going with this evidence? And <laughs> and then it was talking about just putting things in to put it in. When he had that conversation with the journalist or failed journalist waitress lady, and they're talking like Longhorns, they're talking about Texas. It was so out of the blue, and like it's supposed to be this big ending. Like literally, I think one of the last lines is. There's a journalist. She'll verify the story for you and look into this. Why am I going to trust this random lady you talked to for five minutes who lost her internship? And now you're like, oh, Rawlings, the seasoned FBI guy who is telling you this won't be admissible in court. We can't take him down. He's like, don't worry. I got you. Talk to this girl in a restaurant once. She's from Texas. Like, what? No, I think it's kind of like a... uh... James Reese and Katie, Katie. Uh, situation where he gave her all of the all the scoop and saved her career because she was floundering. Okay. Yeah, but again, I just one too many didn't need it. Yeah. So okay, I, I, I guess maybe I didn't understand all this was going on, but I think that's because I wasn't in a place to receive it. Sure. After I wanted so much with Drake and Layla, and that to me was all all that I needed. So I wasn't as invested reading about what's Rawlings going to do with the tape. Don't really care. Charles actually, I feel like you wouldn't even know about what Charles did besides being an asshole to him in the restaurant when he sneaks up on him if you didn't read the first book. Like the reason right. I wanted Charles to be taken down was only because of the first book and how he blew his asset and got these guys killed. I right, and I guess the, the devil also mentions at the end of this novel that Charles has been involved with this all along. Right? Hiring so, Saeed. And yeah. yeah. So, yeah. A little too intricate. A little too. Anyway. Should we get to the scorecard? Yeah, what does this all mean for our final score? Let's, uh, let's get going. Action and plot, Chris. Uh, two very different things, according to me at least. So what's your very action things. I I got to go like a solid like nine for action, you know, maybe even 9.5. Like, yeah. cause it's, it's on point. There's a lot of it. It's all good. I, I don't want to ding it here in terms of having too much action. I think I'll ding that more in the, from the plot and buy-in aspect of it. Yep. Agreed. So solid 9.5 for me. I think I got to go nine with you too. I, the action that we got was great. There was a, way more than enough of it. And I can't think of one action scene I didn't care about. I didn't care about it in terms of the plotting and sequencing, but in terms of the action going on in the moment, I cared very much about everything that happened. Unfortunately for plot, why some of the action was happening, why it was when it was, and with the people involved, I, I got to go to a six. I think hmm. I think that's the highest I could possibly pull out from this. Yeah, I was thinking six, somewhere between six and seven. Ultimately, I'm going to end up at seven. Yeah, maybe I can go down to a 6.5. You know, just everything we said, it just, it needed to be cleaned up a little bit, a little crisper than it could have been, you know, gotten that higher score. 
Mm-hmm. So, and then you know, following up with buy-in, I'm I'm going low on buy-in just because too many coincidences. It jumped all over the place. Like, like you know, just listen to your two-minute you know summary breakdown, and you'll be like, "What the hell? You have no way I'm buying this." So I'm going to I'm going low. Yeah. I'm going low on buy-in. Sorry. Yeah. No. I, let me join you down there. And and those two points are wholly because the action scenes when they're happening you're bought into the yeah, the yeah, action yeah. that's happening not the story behind it but the action. I'm also bought into you know I think Don you mentioned this Don it builds characters very well like I'm, I'm I'm excited to see you know when he has this ragtag group of you know the Frodo's the Virginia's the Glass Layla like I like all these side characters I like to I'm I'm excited to see what he's going to do with the cast of characters that are in a Mitrap novel because yes. you know it's there like it's 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 fully there like it's it's and it's really cool that we're gonna get more of that so and he'll create his own because some of the ones he's created are stellar it's just we don't get to see enough angles of them right in a mitrap book we will all right bad guys uh we talked a bit about it this one is gonna be tough i know i because like i want to go high on 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 like the devil because i think he's such a cool kid like the the potential for him is very good but ultimately like the way he goes out i gotta ding that so like do i just do like a 3.54 like i don't want to go as low as i'm gonna go three and a half like Uh. without having the way that the devil was executed in the very end i think he could have been a four four and a half you know, yeah, like this, I agree. But because of that, I gotta, I gotta knock it down like a whole point. You know what? I, I think I'm gonna go with you on the three five. The devil could have been a five out of five character. Yeah, I, I think if we saw some different things and scenes involving him, it's just unfortunate. Every time he had to come up on the page, you had to have Drake there, and so it led to these very weird forced happenstances where they had to be put in a room together you know over and over and over when he could have stood on his own if the writing style allowed for it and that extra half a point because i probably could have gone three that half a point is for the clap when the devil is there clapping and the way don describes the type of clap it was the way he gets out of his first prison is the way he got out of the cell yep he charged the door and then beat this guy and the Killed devil him. and like, like the ball. devil just allowed yeah. allowed him to kill his guy. Yeah. And the way the dynamic is described of the type of team that the devil assembled and who these men are working for him, letting that man die and then letting the devil shoot another one of them. Uh, like because he was incompetent. Yep. Because he was incompetent because he overzapped him. Like yep. that was like, oh, like, that was when I was like, holy shit, this devil guy is yep. is scary. Yeah. You know? And and that was the realization Drake had as well. Yeah. And the people who work for him are fucked up if they're kind of tolerating this. and <laughs> Exactly. You're just going to stand there while you, you could eventually get killed. And that all started with the clap, this like slow, maniacal clap. And I think that earns half a point. Similarly, I'm, I have a full point for something that I'm going to tell you in good guys, but I want to hear your score first. I'm going to go pretty high on good guys. I thought, like like I said, you know, this whole cast of characters that Don has been able to create that, you know, are definitely going to be the through line through his novels, the Frodo's, the glass, you know, Virginia, definitely while I think some of her, like you could, you could have made her completely different uh, profession and she would have made more sense, but I liked her, like her character, her emotions, you know, the the writing of her dialogue like that kind of backstory kind of stuff was cool pom-pom the pilots uh benny i oh benny i I thought benny was really good too like this almost like a ben friedman type you know like i could see benny come popping back up even though he matt already cashed in on his his favor in this novel but yeah i could see him being you know a recurring character that maybe we come back time to time so yeah i'm gonna go four and a half on good guys I like that. I like that. Yeah. And I like Benny, too. The only thing I'm thinking is, was it one too many times where Drake called in a favor and got what he wanted? Because he called in a favor for Rawlings earlier, asking him to trace the phone. And Rawlings didn't even, like, ask or put together. This was the basic front runner for 
you know, the DNI or the uh, DCI position. And then he's calling in two favors with with Benny and Benny came through. So good guy. But oh, and Zane and Zane. I forgot about Zane. Zane Zane is great. So I love all these people. Something is is holding me back, though, from giving them perfection. And, And I think it's maybe the way Zane is used. I think I love him. But again, a couple questionable ways he's used when he tranquilizes Drake. Virginia, I want to love her, but how she's brought in, how she's used, and what her role is, I'm questioning that. Definitely an added point, though, for the amazing, really, really, maybe not even tertiary characters, but fourth-level characters, whether it's Pom Pom or the Apache pilot at the end, who he says the first round's on him. I really do like a couple of those pop-up-out-of-the-blue kind of characters. I unfortunately don't think Frodo was handed handled very well in this book. Mm, he's tough. I, it was tough to now bring him been, in. Now that he's been sidelined, it, it's tough. But I, I thought that their chemistry, you know, that scene at his house. At the house, yeah. With the dog. Really oh, my God, Seamus. the dog. Yeah. yeah. Seamus earned some points right there. But yeah. one more coincidence thing. Uh, he, Frodo happens to be dating someone from NSA. The NSA who can track some of these things. Like, yeah. you know. But the dialogue between them is great, but I just don't think we figured out how Frodo's fully going to get involved. I guess he's the Intel overwatch. He's going to become the man in the chair. Exactly. Exactly. I just, I don't know if we brought him in enough. Like if there was in the heat of the battle, whether it's the Osprey thing or whatever, there's a conundrum and they're stuck. Well, he does. He finally gets a hold of Frodo. Remember Frodo's the one who brings him all those weapons at the end, which in the auction, yeah, after the auction, once he gets cell service back, like Zane obviously helps a little bit, but like Frodo's the main reason why the Apaches come. Why? Oh, true. He calls in yeah. the cavalry. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, he calls in the cavalry. I'm just saying, I don't know if that's enough for me. Yeah, mm. it's yeah. almost it's almost like somebody who's OP or that cheat code. Just like call them, and they're going to get whatever I want whenever I want it, and send it in. As opposed to. Frodo being Frodo, we saw do something very particular. Maybe Frodo spent hours analyzing an image of something and caught a small detail that no one else could have done, but he had the time to do it because he's sitting around. Or he had – and not just because he happens to be dating an NSA chick, but like Frodo being Frodo and knowing what he knows. Some – or Matt has one of his freakouts while he's in the moment and somebody – patches him through to foot Frodo and he gets Frodo on the comms and like tells him to strum a song because he knows Matt so well, you know, like pulling on their relationship in a deeper way than just, I called and sent you all this really cool equipment just because I can, you know, something a little, a little deeper, but my, my added point, which is going to bring me up to a four on the good guys. I didn't realize this at first. And I was confused when James glass cuts his finger and is bleeding in the middle of their meeting with a, a scalpel or a um, exacto knife. I was just like, what? Why did that happen? And then I realized he was making coasters. <laughs> and the fact the that I, he was of kills, he was making coasters of the kills and the ones hot off the presses from the thing that just happened. And he's sitting there making coasters while they're having this conversation. <laughs> that to me was next level. I, I thought that was amazing. So I'm going four on good guys had my issues, but I also really enjoyed a lot of it. Okay. Okay. What about setting, Mike? Setting was good. I and maybe this is unfair. It doesn't live up to what was done in Syria in book one. Right. right. I I just think that was so spectacularly done. I don't know if I feel that way about because we spent a lot of this book. You know, I, I guess where are we? We're we're in Iraq. In Mosul on the Iranian Iran. border, yeah, like you don't really know where you are. Like that's no. how like confusing it is. So yeah. I, I don't know, but like he does good descriptions of like cities and like buildings and the areas and like the the mansion that they go to, Saddam's mansion. Yes, the palace. Yeah, um, areas of, of of downtown Austin. You know, so like what we do get is good. I don't know. I'd give it like a two and a half, three. Yeah, I think I got to go there. I, I'm between a three, three and a half. 
I think I'm going to stick at three. It could have been better. The palace was really cool, though. The auction. Yeah. And yeah. also, actually, I guess you can consider it setting, but the Ospreys and the uh, the Osprey and the chopper right, that, and the rope. Kind of right. It may not be like we're in this part of the desert, which I'm explaining how it's unique because it's near this village. No, but setting is on those aircraft and setting right. is I'm grabbing a rope and sliding down. So because of that, I'm, I'm going three and a half. Okay. I could I could feel the friction on his hands, you know, sliding down that rope. All right, uh, let's hear let's hear your free space, Chris, and then we'll we'll wrap things up with the cover. Ooh, or, or do you want to reverse space. it because we only have one cover, so there's not much to say. Should we do cover then allows yeah, us to cover. end with the highlights? Yeah, let's do cover. Yeah, I don't love it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, mm. I don't love this. I don't love this line. I didn't love this line of the previous one. I don't know. It's just a guy with a t-shirt. We get some telephone poles, some, some power lines. We love a good power line. Like where the hell is he? Uh, <sighs> you can't tell anything. I mean, it's, is he in downtown Mosul? Is he during that, that action scene? That's so that's what I thought. And I got to start by saying, I don't mind the man on the the standing man with the gun because they bought into that already right it's very clearly going to establish this is this is our thing and considering this is first person when you say i guess that makes thriller i guess that makes sense yeah we're not kidding when you call this a matt drake thriller there's very few protagonists who this really is a matt drake book it's not about anyone else really you know Uh, it's really only about him so much that every single chapter is in his eyes. So I like that you put him on there and we get less than a quarter of the face. So I don't have a face problem with that. All right. Okay. All right. Now that I'm looking like more detail into the, like, it's like some rubble, the rubble. I really like. Yeah. No. All right. I'm, you think you're, you're talking me up. I'm, I'm going to give it a three. I also like that. All the destruction in the foreground surrounding the silhouette, we don't know if it's Mosul and that hit with the IED on the on the American caravan. It could also be Austin. That looks like an American-style power line. So this could be the crash in the opening right. scene. Right. But the rubble is also making you think kind of a Middle Eastern city yeah, so getting torn to shreds. Yeah. I'm okay with it being both, with not knowing. And I still like the diagonal text. We said we liked that the first yeah, time. Yeah, I, I do like that too. I think it's really carving itself a niche. So in no means is it a great or perfect color, a cover, but it's good enough to judge the cover the the cover by the book. And it's good enough in that it's carving out its own niche and sticking to it. All right. You talked me up to a three. Yeah, I think. What are you going to go? Ah, I should have saved that half a point because hmm. <laughs> the way I just talked about it, it could be a three and a half. I just I can't find myself to give it a four. It's just it's not that good. So, yeah, I, I got to go with halves today because it has to be a three and a half. OK, all right, Mike, how about you? I always do the free space first. How about you give me your free space first this time? This is tough because there's a couple of directions you could take it in. While I want to say Mr. Suave and the Devil, we've already talked about our issues with that. So I think I have to say this race to the finish. It, mm. it went a little too long and it lingered, but I really, really appreciated everything that happened from the end of the auction to Layla getting shot by the sniper. Everything in that little chunk was incredible it felt like a mitrap finish line it it was stunning it was a great action scene and it was wrapping up not the tangential plot lines but the main one matt drake layla and their marriage and him dealing with getting back in the game and how that's going to affect his relationship with her and it all came for full circle there saving her in the desert I just thought that race to the finish action scene was really, really well done. Yeah, so mine like kind of piggybacks off of that, but also relates to something you said earlier. Like these these tertiary characters, and I'm gonna give it to to 
the helicopter pilots and the Osprey pilots. Yeah. And we saw this in his Jack Ryan Jr. novel, how he can get us to buy in hard to these characters. Like, remember the fighter pilot who happened to be training with the Israeli like fighter pilots in? Yes. She was great. In Target Acquired? Yep. Like, she was in there for three chapters and, like, I freaking loved her. She was great. Like, you know, these, like you said, tertiary, not maybe even not even tertiary, like quaternary characters. Like, they're, they're you know, never going to be seen of again really well. So I, I got to give it to, to, to Pom Pom. Yeah. And uh, Pom Pom and Hammer, was that was that her other, other guy's name? That's the dude. Who he, like, fires, like, mid, uh, mid-flight. Yeah, he's like, get out of here if you can't handle it. And then he puts Pom Pom in charge. Yeah, great stuff. Those kind of nuggets are really special. And I'll, I'll agree with you. That that could have been uh, my honorable mention. My other honorable mention will be uh, James Glass when we get him. We don't get yeah. a lot of him here, but he's just a joy. It's like Stan Hurley vibes when we're with him. Yeah, very much so. You're having a good time. All right, what did you, what did you have, Mike? Well, I want to double check this because I realized on target acquired, my math was off by one point. <laughs> my score should have been one point lower than I actually said. Yeah, so I want to get this right. 36.5, 36 and a half. And what about you, Chris? I had a 37, even 37. We were very close as, as usual. Pretty close. And let's compare this to Without Sanction, book one. I gave a 43. You gave a 42 and a half. So we're seeing eye to eye on these things, and that's a significant drop off. Would you say that's fair? Without sanction was a, a better book by a good five or six points. I, I think so. I think it was crisper. It was cleaner. Yeah, had a more coherent story. What he, he had an idea of what he wanted to tell here. Just you know, I think it's classic case of a little little too much. Just doesn't doesn't go a long way. So. I feel the same way. I, I would say this one's closer to target acquired. Actually, same exact score I had of target acquired in that it had some really, really great things, but overall how it's composed and sequenced just didn't do it for me. What did I have on target acquired? No, I had I had a little higher, 39.5. You did, yeah, yeah. I think but I I, I think like that agrees. I, I liked without sanction, then target acquired on this one. So my, my scoring tracks well. Yeah. You also mentioned something to me about the title, The Outside Man. <laughs> I was saying that, like, I had no idea this novel was called The Outside Man. Like, I, I had known that, but I had forgotten it. And it wasn't until, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys, when you get in your car, like your Apple, your, your iPhone, like, you know, mine immediately tells me it pops up the distance to home because it knows like every day I take that route home, like, Oh, traffic will be a little more light. And then every now and then it also suggests like you like to listen to audible at this time on the way home. Do you want to continue out with the outside man? And so I'm like, I'm pulling it up to turn on the outside man. And I saw that little thing at the bottom. I was like, outside man, wait, is that the book I'm reading right now? And it was, and I was like, Oh, okay. I mean, outside man, I, I don't really get how that has anything to do with with this novel. Like, do you do you know it wasn't mentioned? No, he's I, the outside man because he keeps on getting captured. Like, he's he's on the outside. Like, he's by himself. Like, uh, I don't know. I tried to listen for it. I went back and I started a second reread. Got about halfway through. The closest I can get at one point, I forget who says it. I think it's when he's planning to actually deploy and go into Iraq and save the girl. It says like, this is going to be an outside operation or something like that. Mm. And I don't know who says it. So I think he becomes the outside man because they're doing an operation outside the bounds of the usual. Like, one other thing, just to wrap up, he was going to save the girl, the sister of the Yazidi girl. Like that was the whole point of him going. And he just gets wrapped up in X, Y, and Z and everything else with the Iranians and the border. And they're trying to take him across and take Layla. It just all got wrapped up. And I'm, I'm in my mind, I'm like, the whole reason he went was to save a 15-year-old girl. Like, how did it spiral into this whole thing? And I think I would have bought that if we saw Mr. Suave planning that. Like, that was right. the point of Mr. Right. Suave's plan. But we never got to see or hear that. So anyway, I'll, I'll leave it at that. But yeah. The outside man. Maybe should that be part of our scorecard? Is you know the title, uh, the title or what's in a name? 
Yeah, we've we've talked about that. We've a rose by any other name? Could, yeah, we could we could add that in. We'd have to go back and do all the other pods. <laughs> Too much Just work. an idea. We we should at least try to mention it. Maybe not on the scorecard, but try to mention how the try to mention it. No, that's good. That's good. All right, what are we bringing to you next week, Mike? Well, we actually have something a little different scheduled. I hope you don't mind, Chris. And if you don't finish it, I'd understand. But I'm really going to try my best. We're bringing Eric Bishop on. Oh, I saw that email. The author of The Body Man and his book number two, Ransomed Daughter, is out. We definitely want to have him back. We had him on to talk Body Man. Really great book. What What a great debut book. Let's just say that from an independent author. And then we had him on to talk Jack Carr. He came on right. one of the Terminalist episodes. Right. His social media is great. He's always engaging with people. And so I think Eric Bishop deserves a spot here on Thriller Pod. Then after that, I think we start Damascus Station or um, Moscow X. Moscow X, yeah. Because we're going to have McCloskey on soon as well. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Sounds good. Those are the next two. Bringing you the content. And with with the content, we have to thank our patrons, our special operator, Sherry F., our special agents, Daryl, Kevin, George, Matt, Don, Dennis, Piggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, Jeff, and Mark. Please subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcasting platform. You can find us at thrillerpod.com or on Twitter and Insta at thrillerpodcast. And as always, just let Matt be Matt.